Congregation, this afternoon I proclaim to you the word of God as we confess that in Lord's Day 45, question and answer 116. The first question and answer of Lord's Day 45. And there the, the church has confessed the word of God as follows. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord and boys and girls who belong to him. That's actually a, an amazing question. The first question of Lord's Day 45. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Prayer isn't an option then, in other words. An emergency measure for Christians when they're in trouble or so. No, it's, it's necessary. That's the implication of the first question of that Lord's Day. Necessary for Christians to pray. And then it gives two reasons why. First, because it's the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. And secondly, because God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly pray for those gifts and thank him for them. Let's think about those two reasons why we need to pray. And the theme for the sermon is, this morning is the necessity of prayer. Or this afternoon is uh, the necessity of prayer then. And we see those two reasons. It's our pulse in the first place. And secondly, it's God's pipeline. And that's the second reason mentioned in this question and answer. So first of all, prayer is our pulse. Prayer, it has been said, I believe by John Calvin, is the heartbeat of the believer's life with the Lord. Your spiritual life. You see something of that in Psalm 50. In that psalm, God is talking to his people about their spiritual life. People were making lots of sacrifices to the Lord. But their spiritual life, we could say, was flatlining. Their hearts were far from the Lord. They lived their everyday life far from the Lord. Even though they were sacrificing lots of, making lots of sacrifices, their hearts were far from the Lord. And that's possible today too, right? You're zealous for serving the Lord, faithful in church, sing and worship, put money in the collection. But something in your life isn't right. And you're sitting here and your thoughts are somewhere else. Your heart isn't in it. Well, in that case, the Lord says, I'd rather you come to me in truth and sincerity. Otherwise, don't bother at all coming at all. Instead of just doing the outward things without your heart, you need to seek me genuinely. Better 
one real prayer from the heart than a hundred sacrifices out of duty only. And then the Lord says in that Psalm, verse 15, rather call on me in the day of trouble. Call on me from the heart, in other words. That's, that's what thanking the Lord is, calling on the Lord from the heart. That's acknowledging him, you confess him. That's important to think about as far as knowing what prayer is. Before you realize that you can have the wrong idea of prayer. You think prayer is maybe like giving God a wish list. Something like you need something, you ask God if he'll give it to you. And then you hope that he'll give you what you asked for. But you never know for sure. So you ask again to make sure and again and again. Then maybe you rope in some other people to pray along with you. Make Make prayer groups. Maybe God will think, well, they prayed so often. They want it so badly. Might as well give that request. But brothers and sisters, that's a caricature of what prayer is according to the Bible. You treat God like an idol, like Baal or so, who you have to appease by praying long and loud. And that's a big danger that our prayer becomes a matter of trying to, trying to cajole God into, into doing what we want, giving what we desire. How can I get God to forgive that sin that keeps coming back in my conscience? I'd like to be more successful. I'd, I'd like to have more stuff. I'd like to be happier. I know what would be good for me, but how can I convince God to come on side? As if God is a bail or so. That's not real prayer to the living God, though. That's not exercising a, and this is the important thing, that's not exercising a relationship with the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, praying is exercising a relationship with God. Confessing to him, Lord God, you are the love of my life. You are good. You have my good at heart always. You fulfill your promises. You want to save me. You promised. You seek my good always, and in everything you said you would do that. And Lord God, you made me ready to accept what you promised me. And please assure me that you're after my good and my salvation. Even if you don't fulfill my wish for healing or for success in my business or for renewal of my marriage, make me able to accept that also. That then you have my good in mind too. See, congregation, that's, that's something of how, how prayer is the pulse of our spiritual life. Then you don't pray because God needs that, but because you need it. Our acknowledgement and trust in God and his faithfulness to his promises, that's the problem often. It's, it isn't, it's so weak sometimes. Our spiritual pulse can be weak then. And then you can hardly believe that God is going to want to forgive you what you did as he promised. Or you can't believe that God is still working for your good if he doesn't do this for you. Or if he lets that awful thing happen to you. But then you need to pray to exercise your faith. To exercise your relationship with God. To receive hope from him and surrender your will to his will. Prayer keeps your heart set on his name and on his promises, it sets him before the eyes of your heart every time again. And see, that's why you find prayer in the last part of the catechism, the part about our thankfulness. 
And in that part, it comes after the part about the law then, the Ten Commandments. Those commandments are what, what it says in Lord's Day 44. Those commandments bring us to prayer. Jesus Christ wants to write that law in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The law in all its sharpness, its depth, its breadth. He wants to renew those who redeemed in his image. And then I hear the law and I meditate on it and I realize again that Christ wants to write that law in my heart and that it cannot be that I as believer, it cannot but be that I come to pray, Lord, forgive my sins, teach me your law, work in me, work in me with your spirit. You can't listen to the law as believer without coming to prayer. And that's how prayer is, the, is also then the heartbeat, the pulse of your faith. You can't listen to the word of God without coming to prayer. And this afternoon, God puts his finger on your pulse here. How spiritually healthy are you? Does your heart beat strong or is it weak? Maybe even flatlining. See, the, the stronger your spiritual pulse, prayer, the more pleased the Lord is. The more you call on him to renew and strengthen you, the more he loves it. The more you call on him to forgive you, to grant you his spirit, the more he wants to give. That's because of your thankfulness to him for his gracious promises. That shows in that asking him for those gifts. It's amazing if you think about it. Because that's not normally how things go in this life, right? The, that the more you ask, the more someone loves it. If it's your birthday and your grandma has promised to give you some money and gives you a $10 bill, brother, boys and girls, it wouldn't sound good if you, you asked, Grandma, can I have another $10 bill, right? I think your mom or dad would let you know that's not, that's not appropriate. It's not being grateful. But the Lord your God gives, loves it. When you ask for more of his gifts of grace, more gifts of his spirit, more of the spiritual gifts of humility, submission, trust, acceptance. He loves it because that shows heartfelt thankfulness to him. When you ask for those things, if you figure that God has already given you what he can and wants to give you, not a good sign. Just think if you bought bread at a local bakery once and you never came back. That would show that you didn't really like the bread, wouldn't it? Or at least that you like the bread somewhere else better. See, the more you go back to that bakery, the more you show the baker you love his bread. And the more he loves it. Well, the more you go to the Lord, the more you honor him and the more he loves it. That's a whole exercise of a relationship with him, congregation. He, after all, is the bread of life. He is the bread of life who nourishes to new life. The more we seek that spiritual nourishment to renewed life from him in word and sacrament and in prayer especially, the more he is glorified and the more he wants to give. And the less you seek that nourishment from him, the more you seek your life somewhere else, the more you dishonor him and show thanklessness to him. He wants to give you more abundantly. But if you don't seek and ask constantly, you grieve him. In other words, if I'm lukewarm in prayer, I don't call on him from the heart. 
If I don't seek his salvation and gifts in prayer, then I dishonor him. So we confess with Lord's Day 45 that prayer is necessary for ourselves, for our relationship with our Father in heaven. It's the heartbeat. It's the pulse of our life with him. Then we come to the second part of the sermon. Prayer is God's pipeline. That was the second reason prayer is necessary. That's what we confess in Lord's Day 45. God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. God, in other words, only gives what he has promised us via prayer. Something to think about. We could call it God's pipeline to us. You can think, for instance, of a desert. Nothing wants to grow in a desert. However, there are places where a desert does produce crops. How? Water is piped in from a river or a lake somewhere else. Water is pumped into those desert areas via a pipeline, and the desert becomes a fruitful place. And congregation, that's something like how God works with his people who are still by nature sinners. Our hearts and lives by nature are like deserts. Nothing good grows there of itself. We're unfruitful of ourselves. But the Lord God is the overflowing fountain of all good. With him is perfect joy, love, holiness, strength. And prayer is God's pipeline to bring those kind of blessings into the deserts of our hearts and lives. That's the only way he brings his grace and spirit into our hearts and lives so that they can become alive and fruitful. And that's why prayer is necessary in the second place for Christians. We need to pray in order to receive God's grace and the Holy Spirit who alone can make our lives fruitful for God's kingdom. Why has God made it that way? Why did he decide to give his grace and spirit only via prayer? Well, again, because he he wants to have a living interaction with us. God is not a salesman who's trying to sell us something. With all due respect to salespeople here, a salesman's object is to sell something to customers and not to cultivate a close relationship. It's about the sale, moving the merchandise, making a living from it. But that's different with parents and children. If you work hard to provide food and clothes and other nice things to your children, but if you hardly ever see them or communicate with them, you realize that that wouldn't be right. No, the the important thing is a parent's relationship with their children. And it's the same with the Lord God. He isn't just interested in fulfilling your needs and desires. He's a father who wants a relationship with you as one of his children. He wants to show love to And he also wants to receive love from his children. He wants heart-to-heart interaction with believers. And that's why he only gives his grace and the Holy Spirit when we pray for them. He wants to see us. He wants to meet with us daily as his children who seek his face and ask him and thank him for his gifts. 
And that's what his children want too, right? If things are right. They want a living relationship with their God and Father in Jesus Christ. They want to hear him speak to their hearts in his word. And then they want to speak to him from their hearts too. And that's also why that first answer of Lord's Day 45 talks about praying with heartfelt longing. Heartfelt longing. In other words, for God's grace and his spirit. You want them intensely, desperately, we could say. And you know something? The more intensely we pray for those things, the more heartfelt our prayers, the bigger God's pipeline to us is. A big pipeline is obviously going to bring more water into the desert than a small one. An intense, heartfelt prayer for God's grace and the Holy Spirit and his gifts is like a large diameter pipeline. Many heavenly gifts can pour through it into your life then. But half-hearted and rote prayer and intermittent prayer life is something like a small diameter pipeline, which only carries a small amount of water. And then you end up with very little of the love, joy, holiness, and other heavenly gifts in the desert of your life that God wants to give you. And that's something, that, that's something that's good for us to think about, congregation. If there's little growth in those spiritual gifts in my life, then I'm most likely pinching off the pipeline of God's gifts, aren't I? And if the pipeline of prayer is small and skinny, it's going to remain pretty dry and lifeless in my life, in my heart, right? There's not going to be much fruit because there isn't enough water. And notice that the catechism also talks about praying constantly. Doesn't mean that you have to walk around praying all the time. Although you can pray anywhere at any time behind the wheel of the car or things like that. What it means is this. Sometimes it seems as if God doesn't hear your prayers. You pray for the grace of forgiveness in Christ and the assurance of that, but you just can't get over what you did. And you seem to fall into it so easily again. The same sin. You pray for the Spirit's work in your heart and life. You ask to be able to grow in holiness and in the joy of salvation and for love to be able to forgive somebody else, but you don't see much of any change. You pray for comfort and it still seems so cold. And then it seems as if your prayers are not being heard. Maybe, it, maybe they work for other people, but not for you. But then you need to pray constantly. Continue to pray for that fervently. Keep trusting that the, the Lord is always good for his children. That he always, always fulfills his promises to them. Maybe that's exactly why God is turning down the, the tap a bit on your pipeline. You were starting to take his gifts for granted. And you weren't amazed at his grace anymore. And you weren't giving him thanks for all he did for you in Christ. And then it could be that God turns down the tap on the pipeline a bit to make you remember. And to bring you to pray more fervently and constantly again. Maybe your relationship was starting to, with him was starting to turn cold. So congregation, 
Prayer is so necessary because it's the heartbeat, it's the pulse of our spiritual life with God and because it's the pipeline through which God alone gives his grace and Holy Spirit. But having said that, you realize that this is exactly why the devil is so intent on attacking our prayer life. He does everything he can to cause our pulse to flatline, to bring trouble into our relationship with the Lord. And he does everything to pinch off that pipeline so that nothing can flow to it into our hearts and lives. And they become desert-like. The devil wants to convince us that we need to do this and that, all kinds of things, and therefore we have no time to really sit down and pray to our Father in Christ. Or he tries to focus our interest on other things so that we, we just can't focus on praying and that it becomes just rote for us. Or he tries to convince us that prayer doesn't do anything anyway. You realize that the evil one is going to do his utmost to ruin your prayer life. How can you resist him? In the first place, heed God's command when he says, for instance, Psalm 50, call on me from the heart. Pray to me. That glorifies his name and it's necessary for your life, your spiritual life in particular. So don't only pray when you feel the need but because he wants to hear you. He commands you to do so for the sake of your relationship with him. He wants to keep that relationship going. Set regular times for daily prayer then, like the saints in the Bible, like Daniel did. God wants you to speak to him regularly. He loves to hear you call on him. In the second place, it's good to combine prayer with reading from God's word. God speaks to us in his word. Listening to his word feeds your prayers. You hear his promises. The Bible is full of God's promises in Christ to his people. God loves it when we ask him to fulfill what he has promised us in Christ. And he loves to give what he has promised in Christ. There's nothing he loves more but than to give you what he has promised you in Christ. The whole Bible confirms it as long as his people constantly ask him and thank him for those promises. He loves it. And in the third place, think about an inner room for prayer. Personal prayer. Jesus warned in his Sermon on the Mount about those who pray to be seen by men. And then he urged humble prayer. And he spoke of an inner room. Go into the inner room and pray. In those days when there were no fridges or freezers, every house had a, had a small, cool, windowless room where food step, foodstuffs were stored. People seldom went there only to get some, some food, some veggies that were there. So it was a place where you wouldn't be seen or wouldn't be disturbed by anyone, where you could be by yourself where there were no distractions, quiet and peaceful place. 
We can pray anytime and everywhere, as I mentioned before, but it's important also to have quiet place and time in the busy world we live in to be still and to concentrate on speaking with God. And that takes a lot of discipline, and it requires you to turn off your, your smartphone and your computer and the television. Let your mind rest, and then focus on your God in Christ. It's about your relationship with him. Remember that the devil wants to take that away. And so he also wants to take away your concentration. It takes work to stay focused on prayer and in prayer. Finally, remember that prayer is, as the Bible says, seeking God's face. That's a beautiful expression. You seek his face. It's like you're looking for his attention. And he's the Holy One, the Almighty One, who called the earth and the sun and the whole universe into existence by the word of his mouth. The one who gave his son for sinners like you. The one who will judge all men in righteousness. Praying is talking with him. And doesn't that make you small? So that's something we have to do with a lot of humility and with great reverence then. Pray with reverence. And then we show that we've taken Psalm 50 to heart. We're not just praying out of custom because that's what Christians do. But because we love our mighty and merciful God and Father through Jesus Christ. And we want to live close to him. Amen. Let's sing.